If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, 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 it's Dr. Erica here. Welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. I'm so excited to bring my over 20 years of experience as a double board certified Harvard trained psychiatrist to you today. This episode focuses on building resilience and making the most out of your own life journey. The guest featured is Jermaine Taylor. He is an actor, TV personality, and advocate of hope. He has a special talent for making others smile and making them feel seen. He has wisdom and there is so much power in his story. Well, guess what questions this episode will answer? How is likability a superpower? How do you appreciate life lessons without becoming bitter? What is the power of hope? What are ways to build and sustain relationships? How do you move toward goals when others don't understand your vision? Can you have a relationship with money? So those are the questions we're going through today. And guess what? No matter where you are in your journey of life, you're going to want to stay on until the last moment. You don't want to miss these practical steps of finding hope and moving through adversity along with moving forward when everyone around you keeps telling you no. So let me stop talking about it and let you hear the episode for yourself. On to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Better with Dr. Erica. I am your host, Dr. Erica, and I'm bringing my over 20 years of experience as a Harvard-trained psychiatrist directly to you. But you always remember that we are chatting, providing some information and education, but I'm not actually your psychiatrist, so I'm not providing you medical treatment right now. So just remember that. That's just a little footnote to remember. So I'm really excited today because I have a wonderful guest today. My guest today is Jermaine Taylor, y'all. If you don't know Jermaine Taylor, you're about to know Jermaine Taylor. If you didn't know Jermaine Taylor, you need to know some Jermaine Taylor. You might be like, Dr. Erica, why do I need to know some Jermaine Taylor? Well, beyond the fact that I'm sitting here looking at this fine piece of chocolate on the other end of this video that you can't see because y'all are in podcast land and y'all can't see what I see, is that 
He is brilliant and he's also so, has this infectious personality and he is so charismatic. And he has such a refreshing view of life and the world. And you're going to truly enjoy the insights that he brings to us today. So let me tell you just a little bit about him. So, you know, he's been on the TV. You know, I, I haven't even hardly been on TV, but he's been on the TV. Um, he's nationally recognized for starring on Game Show Network's 2006 remake of I've Got a Secret. Now, he went to University of Texas at Austin. So he's one of those Texans. And the other thing is, you know, I have a soft spot for all other Southerners. Now, he's a Southerner that made his way up to the New Yorks. So he made it up to New York, has done all of these things, including having a one-man show that was a hit, and eventually decided to take himself from the East Coast to the West Coast to the wonderful world of La La Land, also known as L.A. Now, as you know before, reading bios isn't my ministry. So y'all know that. So I'm going to let him hop in and tell you more about himself because, as you know, I could read a bio, but it's not as sexy as hearing the story from the real person. So take it over, Jermaine. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Erica. This is awesome. I think this is like my second podcast ever, so... Yeah, I'm getting good training here. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, you mentioned the University of Texas at Austin. I left there. I went back home to Dallas. I'm from Dallas. I stayed there for about a year. And then I auditioned for a show in New York to move to New York. Um, New York is where I pretty much fine-tuned and found my real voice as far as an entertainer. I did a lot of things. I was dancing. I was tapping. I was singing. I was doing variety shows, hosting. And uh, I was doing all of this stuff for other people. I was like, you know what? It's not feeding me. So I've always had a love of game shows. And I said, I'm just going to write my own show. And I wrote this show called uh, Piece of the Game. And I played the host of the show and the three contestants. And it was a feat. Mm. Oh, my God. It's forever. And the the grand prize was a lifetime supply of peace of mind, (laughs) P-E-A-C-E. So, yeah, I was kind of thinking deep. And um, yeah, it was a 24 performance. It ran for like three weeks. I produced it out of my pocket. I was working for this huge corporation at the time. And I got them to give me a lot of money. And um, get some money. Yeah, I <laughs> put it up. And that labor of love is what led to my job out here in California. They were casting this show called I've Got a Secret. It was a two, uh, 1960s remake of a panel game show. And they needed a Nipsey Russell S type. You remember Nipsey Russell? Yes, I'm older than I look. <laughs> so this one guy who worked at the Village Voice, Michael Musto, he was being considered for it. And he was like, I know this guy who's doing this one man show. And he's been reaching out to me to see it. And I haven't seen it yet. He came and saw me. He told the producers about me. And they flew me out here for an audition. Dr. Erica, I didn't even think it was real. I didn't even tell my mom. I just, you know, I was like, this doesn't happen. And uh, yeah, I got the plane ticket back when they mailed it. It wasn't an email plane ticket. (laughs) I got out here and went back and forth for a couple of times because it took them a long time to cast it. And uh, when I booked the pilot, I said, you know what? I'm going to L.A. And I was about tired of L.A. by that time anyway. I mean, New York by the time anyway, because I knew I'd never grow old there. New York is a brutal place. And uh, especially the winters. 
But I got up here and bam, I booked the pilot and we got picked up for a season and I was on my way. So I thought. <laughs> hey. Yeah. So that's it, I, Cliff Notes. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. And I, there's there's something beautiful of, of when you just decide this is what I want to do. I'm just going to make it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna create this thing I want to do and put it out there and, and see what happens. Now, one of the things I do do at the beginning of the show, just to let people get to know you a little bit more, is I do some this or that questions. You ready? Yes, I am. Steak or sushi? Steak. I'm a Texan. <laughs> now, the big question is, how do you eat your steak? Brown. Do you hear me? Brown. <laughs> so you're officially part of the black delegation. Yes, brown. I don't want nothing you, red on my plate. You eat red. You ain't heard me. I said brown. Because <laughs> I know a lot of friends out here, and a lot of friends that I've known for a long time, all of a sudden they're lacking a little more pink. And I'm like, we really don't know each other, do we? <laughs> that is hilarious. Now, the next one is ice cream or cake. Ooh, see the black man in me, the lactose intolerant won't allow me for ice cream. But if I need a night to myself, it's going to be ice cream. But if I'm socializing, it'll be cake. <laughs> oh, you're like the person that's like, well, if I have a date, I won't eat beans. But if it's just me, I'm eating the red beans and rice. <laughs> that's it. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm blessed that some days I'm like, am I part of the black delegation? Because I, I am not lactose intolerant. I am hardcore. So, which is amazing. It's it's amazing. I got a million allergies, but I can eat lactose until the cows come home. If it's a no night with Netflix, I will have my ice cream. But if I got a little something coming over, it'll be a slice of cake. <laughs> I am not mad at all. The next thing is. Tea or coffee? Ew. God, because I drink both equally. I guess it's depending on the circumstance. I would defer to coffee. Okay. Yeah. It, it's all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the last one is Marvel or DC? Marvel. Yeah. You're one of my people. Yeah, it's Black Panther seals the deal. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. On a tangent, why did I? So y'all out there, y'all might not know, Dr. Erica is very single. So sometimes she gets on the Bumble. I met someone on the Bumble that said the second worst superhero movie of all time was Black Panther and they were black. Yes, indeed. And what was his reason for that? He's a graphic designer and he didn't think the graphics were good. <laughs> Let, let's just say, um, yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't think we can, and that that's worse than you not liking Star Wars for me. I'm like, I, I don't even know what to do with that. The graphics and the actual hard copy or the graphics on the screen? Like what graphics are we talking about? I guess on the screen for the movie. So we didn't watch the same movie, obviously, because it was... I, I don't, I don't know what had happened. Um, um, that is, maybe one day we'll do a show on my dating adventures because oh my, my dating is God. adventures. But I, I want to bring this back okay. to you right. and not have it all, all about me. 
So I I know you've had some some major shifts. How did you what were some major life-changing circumstances um, in your life? Because I know for a lot of us, there are there are these like key points, like on what if, where they talk about these fixed points in time where you will not be the same person if this changes. But what what were some major like moments in your life that shifted shifted where you were going or just caused you to have major pivots? Hmm. The first one I remember is when I was a teen. Um, I lived with my mom and my stepdad for a new, numerous years, but then when I moved in with my dad and my stepmom, she died soon thereafter, after a year. Oh. Yeah. So I was t- 13 years old, and that was like the first time in my life that I'd ever experienced a death like that. So because I was the oldest, I am the oldest. I became, you know, the one that they leaned on so much in the house. I taught my brothers pretty much how to clean the house. If they couldn't do it, I'd made up for a lot of slack. Learned how to drive really early because my dad needed help. Um, And luckily, it was in a small community, so I got away with driving before I was supposed to be driving. (laughs) So that, and that was at 13. And so it kind of grew me up a lot quicker than what I even knew. I thought it was just pretty much par for the course. But when I look back, I was thinking... Oh, you grew up real fast. Um, life was pretty steady. Went to college. Everything was fine. I guess another pivotal shift is when I decided to go to New York because uh, I had never I went to New York one time before that, but it was just a, as a visitor. So when I went okay. back, I pretty much went as a visitor again, but I never came back. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So it was like, you know, there's a vast difference between New York and Texas, two different ways of living. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm looking at people as dark as I am and speaking the King's English, and they're Dominican. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of lessons like that. But I would say the most major shift to date happened about 15 15 and a half years ago. We mentioned I've got a secret, and um, that was a huge, you know, boon for me because I had never had any significant television experience. And right at the end of that, I developed this really nasty cosmetic condition. It tanked everything about me. Everything. I mean, there was nothing in the tank left. No gas, no confidence. Spent all my money. And it caused me to stay at the bottom for like a long time. And I can't even explain where I got the resilience from, to be honest with you, to just stay in it until I knew I would get past it. And I did. But um, it took a long-ass time. So I feel like that was the most significant shift and pivot because in that dark space that I'm just now coming out of, that I'm just now coming out of, mm-hmm. um, I learned so much about who I am, the bad parts, the habits that I need to break, um, about a lot of people, um, the good and bad of people. A lot of strangers came to my rescue. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, what is it about me where, you know, I'm just constantly getting these lifelines. And I feel like people, when they see that there's something underneath you that's solid and real, they will be a lot more apt to help you. Now, you got to help yourself. And some days I just wasn't in the space of helping myself because, you know, I was kind of insane making the same mistakes over and over again, you know. But um, 
I just had to take the scenic route to learning a lot of hard lessons. And now that I know them, I'm a lot more confident. And um, this is a really good time. So I don't know if we could have had this conversation even a year ago. Well, the one thing, though, is it's hard to have a linear a linear path to awakening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's just really hard to have it. And the interesting thing of you mentioning you didn't know where your resilience came from or not knowing why people are helping you. Ironically, I had a conversation with my my mom earlier today. I had just gone to an acupuncturist and she had given me some extra time. And I was tell we had a whole conversation because one of my old um some people that trained me back when I was at Harvard talked about likability and how critical it's one of those I can't even call it a soft skill because it it's much firmer than that. But people go out of their way to help people that are likable. And I have a feeling that even though you may have been in a dark space, because I didn't know you at that time, is that you may have been a, d- a dark space, but people could sense something about your your spirit right. and who you are right. as as a person and that you are likable right and i pretty much and i guess that i guess that was my currency you know that was the rent that i was paying you know who i was who i've always been i mean i get a little angry and angst right now because i feel like a lot of people in this town still don't know the real jermaine um, that's why I'm so eager to connect with all my fraternity brothers outside of this town, all of my friends from school and high school and mm-hmm. college, because they remember that full Jermaine, that Jermaine that was just sufficient, self-sufficient, just took life by the, just went at it. Mm-hmm. So when they talk to me, they sense like, hmm, something's changed about you. And um, I never give them the full story up until now. So I felt like that whole process was because I was pretty much living from the outside and I had to go through something to learn how to live from within the grit because the lessons that I have now, you'd have to hold me at gunpoint to take them away from me. <laughs> so, so you're talking about lessons and I know sometimes on here we talk about the better seven and one is support and it sounds like support was huge for you and also self-talk because what we tell ourselves has an amazing amount of power. But what were some of these key lessons that you learned that you are not giving away at gunpoint? Well, you just mentioned one. Um, don't believe the lies that you hear about yourself or the, that you even tell you about yourself. You know, I used to live in my head a lot. And the smallest little piece of criticism or even the slightest little look from somebody else would just send me into a tailspin and I'd be gone. But now I can process it. It might be a little bit of a sting, but the sting won't last as long because I can move past it. Oftentimes the way people feel about you has nothing to do with you. Right. (laughs) It does not. Um, I, you know, that statement that you always see on uh, social media, people are fighting battles you never know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that means pops up pretty much all the time. Um, I'm very, I'm tempered to judge people, even people that slight me, because I am very aware of situations that go on to lead to, to that very moment. 
know what I'm saying? So it's like, I won't judge a person based on that one interaction with me because I don't know what they just experienced right before that happened. Um, There's joy in taking time to getting where I want to go. Um, I used to try to shortcut a lot of things, especially when I was um, dealing with my skin a lot. I would try these quick fixes and spend all this money and go to these different estheticians and do all this. And I was like, wait a minute. This thing is still here because why I haven't salvaged all the good that's coming out of it. So I'm learning that sometimes you have to sit in your misery because that's where you're actually being pruned. So um, when somebody comes to me saying they're going through something, I'm like, yeah, but what did you just say? You're going through it. (laughs) Surrender to the uncertainty. You're going through it. So uh, I've made peace with time. My patience is a lot where it is. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back soon with more great info from my guest, Jermaine Taylor. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for Get Your Better On. Let me tell you about how I was getting my better on. I have one word for you. Staycation. I recently had the most glorious staycation. My goal was to park my car, stay at a hotel, and not drive again until it was time to go home. My primary goal was to rest and do whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it. There were a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies and time in a row that went down. I even did my own spa treatments. I had an absolute blast. What it made it so special was that I was able to actually not feel guilty about not doing work and was able to not have my mind cluttered by thinking about everything that I felt like I should be doing or my overall, always huge list of things to do. I realized being unapologetic about getting rest takes practice. And I've been working on it so that this time I had enough practice to do it. So I hope you can have a glorious staycation soon too. Back to the show. I love something you said about going through things. And I think one of the key things around that is part of what lets you know that something will have an end is being able to have some little morsel or bit of hope. That a lot of times hope is what helps people realize that my present may not be all of my future. And it's one of the reasons I think support is important important because sometimes when you're struggling, you need people to hold on to hope for you and to reinforce hope with you because you may not be able to see it immediately. It's one of the things I say about one of my jobs as a psychiatrist is to hold on to hope until you can hold on to it for yourself. But I think it's really important to surround yourself with people that can help reinforce that when things are are difficult because people are pulled in so many different directions, especially right now. But even there are times where we have losses and losses aren't just deaths, you know, losses of careers, jobs, money, relationships, things that have to do with our physical appearance because with our society, physical appearance is huge. Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, if you get a whole room full of women and ask them how they felt about each other, how they felt about themselves when they gained weight, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, 
it's humongous. Um, so I do want to say out there to my listeners that it's it's important, and that's one of the reasons we were earlier talking about some of the currency that we use on this earth. And part of the currency that we use with relationships is you, you're paying into the relationship and feeding into the relationship so that when you need to make a withdrawal, it's there. I used to get, when I first moved here, and I don't know if you've ever been to Los Angeles, but it's a very insular community. People, they have their own little clans and tribes and they, Mm -hmm. you don't go to a bar expecting to, oh my God, it's a party like you do in New York. You go with your people (laughs) because there's not a lot of folks mingling. And um, I came out here with that mentality thinking, oh, I'm just going to go to the bar and bam, it's going to be on. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, ain't nobody saying nothing to me. And that lasted for like a long time and I was beginning to internalize it. And I was like, I guess this is just what the culture is. But I was socially deficient at the same time, Dr. Erica. And I was like, I got to fix this. So I would literally go to strangers that I had seen time and time again and just introduce myself. I'm Jermaine. I see you here all the time. I know you see me, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, let's, you know, let's hang out. And even that in the beginning was met with a lot of hesitancy and rejection. But now I have some of the greatest friends as a result of that initiative. And they tell me, they're like, had you never said anything to me, I would have never, we would have never been friends. But I am so glad because you are like one of the best things that I've met out here. So um, sometimes you just have to be that person that somebody needs that they don't even know they need. And that's, you know, getting out of there. And that's a lot of, I guess it takes a lot of gumption, as my grandmother would say. But, um, you know, I got something out of it too. But um, yeah, it was just a very different way of learning how to live when I moved here at 31. It It's huge. And I, I think people sometimes underestimate the skill set it takes to make friends, yeah. especially as an adult, because when you're young and you're in college, you're in environments where everyone is places. Yeah. Everyone is new. Yeah. So everyone is forced to make friends right. because most likely everyone's in the same situation. Yeah. And then as you get older, if you're moving or shifting environments, yeah, it just takes a lot more effort and a different set of skills. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought out the idea of it's time for me to make some friends. Right. It's not happening. Yeah. Let me let me start speaking to people and initiate some conversations sure. and, and see what happens. And I know that's one of the reasons some people they move and they also join meetups. Yeah. Or other things like that. But I also think you're bringing out something that's really important, especially since people have been physically distancing and a lot of people are still dealing with some challenges with loneliness and feeling disconnected in this pandemic is the fact that sometimes you have to get creative about connecting with other mm, people. You do. You do. Um, and I learned and, to even know how to make friends at 31 because like you just said, you when you're in environments when you're all trying to make friends, such as college and high school, people you grew up with, I don't know if you even learn the skill to it. You just become friends. And then when you get older, you're like, well, how did I do that with my best friend of all these years? How did we become best friends? And it was just something that organically happened because why it just happened. And you realize at 30 something years old, it's like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) But I got creative and yeah. And on that same note, I'm not even good at dating when it comes to stuff like that. I'm not. I start tripping over my words because I'm trying to be all charismatic and funny and trying to hit the right light sort of shit. (laughs) 
It's an acrobat. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know how people fall in love at the grocery store because the lighting is horrible at the grocery store and you're in shower slippers. But, you know, it's what it is. I got time. I, I haven't fallen in love at Target yet. I keep waiting. <laughs> I, I keep waiting for love at Whole Foods. That's why I'm on the Bumble. <laughs> In the apps, I just dismiss those things. Oh, it, it's just I wasn't going anywhere. So eventually it was like, well, <laughs> the only way you're going to meet someone is be on an app. Yeah. I was like, what is the app that takes the absolute least amount of effort for me? I was like, okay, Bumble. Yeah. But the thing we about the apps, you can, you mean, you're not. Even if you put yourself out there as raw and authentic as you see yourself, you can't, there is no negating what the person is going to read into you or read about your projection. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they're going to read your blurb and see your picture and project what's in their head. And you're trying to be, it's like, I don't know if we're matching. So we just need to meet up at a corner and just make sure that, you know, <laughs> what we're thinking is actually there. Because I don't sell well like Jermaine on paper. I don't. People see my pictures and they think I'm that. And then they meet me like, oh, you're not that guy. And so I deal, deal with that a lot. But, um, you know. Do I need to come get somebody? You know, I'm good for calling 911. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But, you know, I'd have you back. I'm better in the South. Like when I go home to Texas or even somewhere back to the visit back home, my stock is off the charts. And I'm like, how come I just don't take my black ass back home? Because I'd be married and probably bootcake if I was home. <laughs> but out here, I mean, it's like a list that people just want to check off. I'm like, do you even meet these expectations on the list that you're giving me? Uh, no. <laughs> um, they don't. Well, let me not say that. But I I wrote a book called Fix Your Fairy Tale: A Woman's Guide to Great Life, Love, and Legacy. And there's a portion in there about dating. But I, I do think there's something for kind of aiming for some type of equity of what you can provide. That's what you're looking for. You know, something on the same level. It might not always be the same because it's kind of, you know, equally yoked, but not like I'm, you know, I I have the qualities that make me the equivalent of a, a Chevette, but I want a Bentley. <laughs> I think I just, I, I just aged myself when I said Chevette. Girl, probably. you are not a Chevette at the very least. You are... I, I am not a Chevette. I'm going to say. I, I am not saying I'm a Chevette. But no. there'll be times you're like, you want this, 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 and this? Yeah. But you only got these three things. And that's me. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got. You're Lisa Rose or Maserati. <laughs> well, I would take that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't mind that I'm going to find love late in life. I don't mind that success is going to come late in life because um, when I was on the show, I went through that money like crazy because I didn't know the value of money during that time. I didn't learn how to spend money until and to take care of it until like my late 30s. That was another one of the lessons that you asked me about. I learned how to take care of money. I learned how to develop a solid relationship with money. Because um, my mom never taught it to me, nor did my dad. My grandmother's really savvy with it, but I didn't live with her. So um, that was one of the things that, you know, my down season 
afforded me was how to develop a relationship. Now, not to say that I'm totally healed because I will splurge out. I tell you, those apps that pop up on Instagram, oh. <laughs> you, I feel like we're kindred spirits because there for a while. I was the worst for buying stuff off of Facebook marketing. Oh my God. I have so many things off random Facebook ads before ads were really popular. And you're like, do I really need it? But in that moment, you feel like you can't live without it. It's like, it looks, it looks like all the cutest. But I, I think you brought up something huge, which is the relate, the relationship we have with money. And just like we have relationships with people that there's something huge about the relationship we have with money that carries over into not only how we value it, how we use it and how we actually emotionally feel about it. So, I mean, I feel like you've been learning great lessons. I have, but it took, you know, a down season to get it out. I mean, I, I never disputed or discounted my talent. I knew that I was an actor, knew that I was an entertainer, but I guess there was a lot of the plumbing you know, needed mm-hmm. to be worked on. And it took something, you know, very long and arduous and painful to get it out of me. I ask him all the time, I say, did it take that? <laughs> I'm like, could you just give me a book or, you know, but, you know, I'm a hard-headed guy. I am. So, um, yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of my last questions before we shift into something else, but I just have to ask because like I'm a doctor, there's a very clear blueprint of how to become a doctor. You can decide to do a few different things when you become a doctor, but it's a very clear, clear blueprint. If you get your degree in college, then you complete med school, then you do an internship in residency, pass a couple of tests, you'll be a doctor. There's not really a lot of, of luck in it. What kept you going or let you take that leap to be a creative and to be an actor and to be an artist when those fields don't have that same kind of roadmap? It's not A plus B equals C. And I've always admired that for everyone I know that is in the arts because there are so many other variables. What what do you think got you to go ahead and take the leap? Because having a regular job might feel easier. Yeah. Um, and someone else asked me, I think Joy asked me this, <clears throat> the fact that every time I wanted to do an about face, something would keep me in it. Um, and that's the buried in, in, in a nut and as bare as bones. Anytime I thought about jumping on a plane, going back home, something would come to my rescue and keep me holding on. And I would juxtapose that with all of my colleagues that didn't have that luxury or didn't have that, you know, convenience. They'd be gone. But something always held me in place, either an idea that I had to reinvent myself or someone was like, listen, I know you're struggling. You can come stay here. Things like that just always line up. So when they stop lining up and when I bottom out, that would be confirmation. But as long as the God or the universe or whoever it is you put your trust in, is keeping you in that position, you honor it and you do the work and you stay in it. And that is the only thing that's kept me going. The only thing, because just when I feel like I didn't have it, bam, something happens to keep me here. And I'm thinking, wow. Mm -hmm. So that's just what it is. And it's a surrender. And it's one of those things that you just cannot always articulate. Artists, are you listening to me now? Make peace with people not understanding what the hell you're doing. 
because you'll make yourself crazy trying to explain to them the thought process that's going on in your head because it's very personal and it only makes sense. It might make sense to a few others that are in the business, but it only for the most part makes sense to you. And if you see that the signs are keeping you in place and you're not impeding or intruding on someone and you know, you're comfortable and you can get ahead and you're not on the streets or without food and you still have that grit, stay in it because that's the proving ground. That's what's shaping you. That's what's going to make people feel something about you. You know, you have to have people watch entertainers, not because they're pretty, not because they do this. There's something inside of them that connects with them. And uh, you go through stuff to build that. So, um, yeah, that's where it is. And who's to know? Where, I mean, I might bottom out tomorrow and be get back, back, back at home. But as of today, that's what's been sustaining me all these years. Yeah. Well, I love it. And I feel like that's a mic drop moment. Yeah. Because it, it just seems like a lot of what you're saying is that at some point you have to trust in your intuition. And a lot of people like you have some element of like divine creative expression. And that if your purpose has to do with divine creative expression, it's hard to find joy or fulfillment if you're not honoring that part of you. Uh, but I, I definitely can see how a lot of people wouldn't understand it. Cause I mean, I even come from analytical parents. They wouldn't let even let me ma major in biology. Cause they said I couldn't get a job with it. Um, so I can only imagine if I had started out saying, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be an artist. My parents would have looked at me like, yeah, they can't see the face I'm making. Yeah. But that's, that's what they look like. Yeah. So I, I, I love that bit of inspiration uh, that, that you brought. I know you've been hearing lots of shareable things in this episode. So don't forget to share on all social media and put the hashtag better nation so that we can all share together and be a part of this discussion. Now don't go anywhere because we'll be back in a few moments with my absolutely fabulous guest, Jermaine Taylor. See you soon. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. It's time for the better tip of the week. I have a challenge for you. Take some time, if only five to 10 minutes a day, and have a heart to heart with yourself about what actually makes you feel rested, not just what you've been told should make you feel rested. Then put together a plan to make that happen. Yes, after you have had an honest answer of how to refresh and recharge, you have to be intentional by making a plan and taking action. You deserve it. I'll definitely tell you that. Don't treat your body like a car that has been driven on empty with no oil. You deserve better. So you've got this. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. So we're going to switch gears for a little while, and I'm going to ask you some speed round questions. Are you ready? Ooh, I am. Let's go. The first one is, what is the best lesson you learned from your father? I guess... Um, Wow, that's a tough one because I don't have the best relationship with him. So sometimes I'm always at a loss for words. 
I guess if he taught me anything, he taught me that um, you just got to find the way. Because when he lost his wife at 32, when we were all young, mm. he had no idea. So he just found the way. Um, and he wasn't, all, he wasn't ever afraid to ask for help. So that's the lesson. I feel like that might be the biggest lesson I learned from him. I'm, I mean, that one's a word. That's yeah. huge. And, and I wanted to circle back to something, and I'm going to say it right now because it's my podcast, so I can mix up the format if I feel this like. This is better with Dr. Erica. <laughs> is that um, when you mentioned when your stepmother passed away, and you had to take on all these new responsibilities. The one thing I want to say out to everyone there listening along with you is it's hard to know what's unique about your life when you're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Because you might not realize that it's something a little bit different. And the other thing is, because I was actually having a conversation um you know, as a psychiatrist and someone that works in mental health, we always tell people to get therapists, but we we try to have some for ourselves sometimes just to deal with the weight of everyone else's. And I was literally talking to my therapist and we're going through everything in my life. And then you're realizing, oh, there a lot did happen, yeah. but you don't notice it in the moment or how many things are losses or how many things are trauma especially, and I'm going to say this, especially for the black and brown people, uh, because there's so much of a culture of survival. So there's such a culture of you, you're going to push through no matter what. It may not be pretty, but you're going to push through it. And then it's not going to really feel like you did something because you feel like everybody's pushing through and getting by. So I want to send a little love out there to everyone and just say, especially as you are able to have these quiet times and be reflective, don't discount what has happened in your own life by comparing it to someone else's and saying, it's not as bad. Because <laughs> there's so much bad out there that that doesn't negate what's happened to you because someone else had something that was a little bit worse. So I just want to put that out there. And now we'll come back to speed round. Um, what is one free thing that you do for yourself for self-care? Um, I do a lot of meditating. Um, when I want something really, really bad to eat, I will eat it. Um, and um, oh, what's another good exercise? Oh, it's it's speed round. You only had to give one. Oh, I thought you were free. Okay. Exercise. It, it was free. Oh, okay. F-R-E-E. -E. <laughs> okay. Be, because there's a culture sometimes with self-care that it's going to the spa or yeah, going no, on this trip. It's simple. And yeah. If I want a pack of nihilators, I will eat a whole pack of nihilators. Oh, do you remember when they were like a nickel? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's those things. It's like, you know, I know I'm going to have to like work a little harder, do extra shit up or something, but you, you know, when you've seen so much like we have this past year, it's like, let me just live a little bit. You know, everything can't be so tightly regimed, you know, let's just go ahead and do it. So, yeah. I won't lie. Yeah. There is a bag of caramel and cheddar cheese popcorn waiting, um, waiting for me at Target <laughs> for the drive up. 
it's waiting. So when we finish, I'm going to go get there it. There you go. Yeah. Um, next one is, what is something about you that most people don't know? Mm. It does not have to be from a skeleton closet. That I used to be shy. <gasps> Can you imagine? I love it. I used to be shy. And um, I think it was a shyness that came out of... Um, not wanting people to make fun of me. So I just went inward, mm-hmm. but um, I got over that, <laughs> but I used to be shot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would hide behind my mom. And then when I finally started talking, oh my God, you can't shut him up or start singing. Yeah. But I used to be shy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And what's something that helped you get through the pandemic? Uh, learning, reading. Um, I started my show that I do, Soapbox Sunday, and I learned a huge byproduct of that was the fact that I was learning about so many topics and things that I just, that were outside of myself. So the fact that I got smarter, um, and then, you know, realizing relationships that you thought were solid, and you're like, oh, you feel that way. You know, those things sort of I learned, um, you know, but we won't go there. But, yeah, I got a lot smarter during the pandemic, and I feel like that's one of the good things that came out of it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yay for reading and learning. Yay. I went back and read The Alchemist again. I was like, I got to read that one again. I still need to read The Alchemist. Oh, my God. I, there are so many things on my list that it's like. Right now, I'm I'm rereading Happy Money by Ken Honda, mm-hmm. and I totally love that book. You know, it's like we need to refresh the relationship with the money. Yes, Keith Boykin. You know Keith Boykin, political commentator for CNN. Oh, okay. He's uh, he has a book. He's actually doing a book tour now, and it's called the Dark the Darkening of America, and it's about the fading you know population of the majority you know the white majority race. Mm-hmm. He talks about. And it all takes place last year. So I'm currently reading that one now. So, and prior to the pandemic, I mean, I was a reader, but I wasn't an avid reader. So the minute that I'm done with this one, I go to something else. So I love that about me. I do. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we need to be in a book club together. I know. I feel elite because, you know, I'm reading a lot more. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, yeah. I'm gonna start texting you like what you're reading this week. <laughs> yes. Now I'm not a speed reader. Sometimes it's, I'm a slow digest because um, you know people often write how they talk, and it's like this isn't making sense to me, and I'm not familiar with this word in this context. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll go back and you know make sure that I'm getting the intention before I start blabbing about it. <laughs> Got it. All right. Yeah. Now the last one. You ready? Mm-hmm. What would you like to be remembered for? Making someone smile. Yeah. Because Oh, he made me smile. Yes, because that's what I do. I often hear, um, you remember I tell you like I used to just go up to people and introduce myself? I still do that, but not, not so aggressively. It's like if I see you every day at this certain time at the gym, one day I'm just going to say, hey, how you doing? And I can't tell you how many times I've said that and a person be like, you are the first person that's ever said anything to me. And they'll just smile. And I'm thinking, really? It goes, yeah. And I always see you smiling and talking to people, but wow. So, um, yeah, that's my legacy. If I can make you smile, yeah. 
Oh, I'll keep it on my tombstone. <laughs> Get a little t-shirt. Yeah. Did I <laughs> I love it. So do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for the peeps in podcast land? Um, I would just say trust the journey. Um, if you pay attention to the signs, you'll always know where you're going. And that's... Uh, um. And that's where you have to sort of get outside of yourself to do that. Because oftentimes we see what we want to see. But if you're very just honest with what you're looking at, is it telling you to go this way? Is it telling you to go that way? And just surrender to it. Um, I'm learning that sometimes you just have to make hard decisions. You do. Um, Make peace with people not understanding you. That's the biggest one. I don't care if it's your mom or dad, make peace with them not understanding you. And if the relationship is toxic, decide if you want to fix it or if you just need to abandon it or just love them from afar. And that's- I'm big on loving from a distance. Yeah. Um, And that's a tough one for me because uh, I mentioned my father earlier. Um, We're just two different men. We share DNA, but- um, I have to know when it's a good time for us to just have even a basic conversation. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And it's not even the whole gay thing. It's just, we just see life two different ways. I guess our experiences have just informed us about life very differently. Okay. You know? And so um, he'll, he'll always be there, but you know, sometimes I just have to understand that to take care of this, Jermaine, you figure out when is the best time, you know, to engage. So yeah, learn how to like uh, put relationships where they are. But for the most part, just surrender to the uncertainty of life. Yeah. I wish I could give you a hug over the internet. I'm going to hold in all of my warm and fuzzies, but I don't know if you can feel them. Yeah. So, so where can people find you? And when you tell them where they can find you, please tell them a little bit about the Soapbox to the Sunday. Soapbox Sunday is my latest endeavor. It started in 2020, June of 2020. It's a show about healing. It's got a hashtag Soapbox Journey, Healing Journey talk show. I feel that everybody and everything has a story. You don't have to be huge in order to impact someone. You know, everybody and everything has a journey. And because of that, we find that we are a lot more similar than we are apart. So um, I don't care who you are. If you have something that you've gone through and that you salvaged and there's a lesson behind it, bring it to the soapbox. You can find me at, at TaylorMade World on Instagram. And of course, Jermaine Taylor at TaylorMade World on um, Twitter and Jermaine Taylor on Facebook. And yeah, that's pretty much what you can find me now. I'm just now beginning to start auditioning again. So hopefully I'll book soon. But uh, yeah, every Sunday at one o'clock Pacific time, four o'clock Eastern. This week we're talking about cannabis. Ooh. <laughs> and it won't be all taboo, but you know, that industry is growing and so many, you know, facets of it are changing. They just expunged a lot of the people who have convictions for marijuana out yeah. here in California. And why not? If it's legal, why are they serving time for it? Yeah, and, yeah. and why are tax dollars being also spent on locking people up exactly. that they need to be locked up. So, um, so that'll be Sunday, but I'm always exploring topics, ideas, people. 
And um, I'm just a sponge, you know, I just want to know about people around me. I just do. Because I feel like the more you know about someone, the less you will fear them. That's the only way we can combat this disease, this pandemic of racism that's been us with us forever, even before coronavirus. So the more we can learn about our neighbors, the less we would fear them and the less we would judge them and the more harmonious we can be. So that's what we do on my platform. We learn about each other and things. Yeah. I love it. And all all of you folks, if you weren't somewhere where you had a pin, it's all good. Yes. All the links of where to find all the of the things Jermaine uh-huh. will be in the description. Thank you, so Doctor. Don't even worry about it. Uh-huh. It'll be there. The first thing I want to say is before I give my final thought, I just have to say I love you, Jermaine. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me and my peeps. I just had a doctor's appointment this morning. That was the only thing I had. I'm good. <laughs> just let me let me feel good about myself. Okay. Let me feel special for a moment, Jermaine. You caught me on a really good Friday. Yeah. You 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 could have done other things. You could be at the gym. You could be eating now later, but you chose to be with me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if I had to say what my takeaway from this show is, is is sometimes you have to accept that your journey may not be straight. We all have these visions of exactly how our life is gonna be. I don't know a single person that, I know some that got to exactly where they wanted it, but the journey there wasn't straight. It was not exactly the journey they thought. So I want to encourage all of you to give yourself some grace. Your journey is a little different than you anticipated. To also, as we talked about, listen to your intuition. Rarely will it steer you wrong. But sometimes if you leave it, the universe, God, or your chosen person will give you big messages to get you back on course. I know for me, um, God doesn't tap me on the shoulder. He hits me on the head with baseball bats if I don't listen. So I want to encourage you to listen to your intuition. And the other thing is, as we talked about earlier, I encourage you to get support along your journey, to ask for help when you need it. And when you have those quiet moments and you're able to think over your life, if there were challenges and they're still impacting you, because that happens a lot. As we, you know, as we talked on the show with Dr. Alana Curry, when we were talking about trauma is a lot of times when people think of trauma. Pardon me? She was a guest on my show last season. Oh, oh cool. I've known her for years. Oh my it's, it's, so, it's, it's so nuts. We're both psychiatrists. We're both from St. Louis, but we didn't know each other in St. Louis. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But one of the things is a lot of times is people reserve a corner to consider trauma being kind of the big things like molestation, assaults, child abuse, domestic violence, hurricanes, tornadoes, catastrophic car accidents. But there are a lot of things that happen in life that can be traumatic and impact you. And some of those small things that you didn't think much of can have an an impact on your life later. So the thing, my last thing I want to say is I want to encourage you to get the help you need to get your mental house in order. And a lot of times there are things that can be helpful, such as this podcast. But this podcast isn't designed to get your entire mental health in order. So I want to encourage you that if you need something more than 
Better with Dr. Erica, even though Better with Dr. Erica is great. Or more than Oprah Super Soul Sunday or, or One More Day of Dr. Oz or One More Thing from Tony Robbins. That you go ahead and get what you need to take care of yourself. Because when you when you get your mental health together, you'll be amazed at what happens even to your body. You may notice that you're losing weight that you were holding on. You have more energy. You sleep better. Your interpersonal relationships get better. You're more effective. You have more mental clarity and more mental capacity. All of these things can happen. Your skin can clear up because there are a lot of skin conditions that are stress-related. There are so many things that can happen if you actually take care of your mental health. So that's what I got for you today. So thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend time with Better with Dr. Erica, to spend time with myself and the one and only Jermaine Taylor. Thank you again, Jermaine, for taking time out of your busy schedule, even though you say you didn't have a lot on it today. (laughs) But thank you anyway for hanging out with me and my peeps. I appreciate every single one of you out there for trusting, trusting me enough to trust me and my guests to be in your ear. So thank you. Thank you, Erica. Uh, Erica. You are such a joy. I swear, every time you're on Thoughts and Moments and you chime in, you just drop the right nugget. Oh, thank you. And when you reached out, I was like, oh my God, what does she want me to talk about? But when I saw the title of it, Better, because that's my mantra. Every day I want to be better than I was the day before. Oh, I love it. It's going to happen. So, uh, it was meant to be. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You're welcome. And I really appreciate you. And I appreciate all of you listeners. So I need to ask you a couple favors before I let you go to get back to your busy lives. The first thing is, if you like what you hear, please make sure you follow or subscribe the podcast. That way you get notified when it the new things come up. Plus, it helps my numbers look a little better so I can bring you even better content. The next thing is, is if you want to take it a step further, you can rate and review. I'd love that, too. It make my life better. So if you could do that, I would love it. The last thing is don't let this podcast be the best kept secret. Share it with someone. Share it with your Uber driver, your Lyft driver, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family. You share it with the internet. Do whatever you like. Just share it. I would I would love that also. And after that, I just need to say, you know, new episodes drop on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings. And I can't wait for you to hear them. And if, you know, you start missing me before the new episode drops, you can always go back and listen to some of the old ones. But this is all I got for you. Have a phenomenal day. If you're having a rough time, I'm just going to hope that it gets better. And until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica.